Welcome everybody to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome one and all to this service of worship. It's a delight to see everybody here this morning, and we certainly welcome among us visitors who are here today. We're delighted that you're here, and uh, we know we have visitors here for the baptism this morning, which we're delighted to welcome you and welcome everybody to GPC for this service of worship today. Welcome if you're joining us online. Those of you who are joining by live stream this morning, we want to say a special word of welcome to you as well. You can see the bulletin online. It's on our webpage if you want to download that. If you are worshiping with us virtually, you can download that and join along in everything that we're doing as part of our worship service. Please do sign the friendship pad that is on the inside aisle of each pew. If you would find the maroon pad there next to the aisle, and you can sign your name on that, and then you can pass that down the aisle and welcome those who are worshiping with you and greet them in just a few minutes' time. We do have so many wonderful things happening in the season of Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. It starts today, and we're delighted for this season in the church year to begin. And you'll see in your bulletin so many different upcoming events that will take place here at GPC, and we just want to invite everyone to all of them. You'll see an announcement about uh, next Sunday's uh, special music worship service during our morning worship services, but then you'll also see an announcement about our annual Christmas concert that will feature our own choir along with Callan Aspiring, and that will take place at 2.30 next Sunday afternoon. You'll see an announcement in there about our special needs concert, our Amplify concert on the Sunday following that. You'll see an announcement in there about signing up for our Christmas caroling and chili supper. These are two separate events, but they, they happen in conjunction with each other, so you can come to the caroling, if you'd like to do that, to uh, various places around Germantown, or you can come to the chili supper that takes place after that, or you can come to both. Come caroling and then enjoy a chili supper. You'll see announcements about that as well in the uh, announcements there in your bulletin, so please do take advantage of that. Also, each Wednesday evening during Advent, we're having a special uh, meal at 5.30 in Warren Hall. And then we have Advent devotional studies that will take place uh, also here. Um, there are three adult Advent devotional studies that take place. See those announcements. But there also, there's something special for children that will take place during that hour after supper from 6 to 7, working with our musicians and our children's ministry leaders on the Advent unit, preparing uh, us all for the Christmas Eve family worship service. So there's a, so much going on. There's something for everybody going on in the life of our church in the next four weeks. So please do see all of those announcements that are in there. Find your place to participate and really enjoy uh, what this Advent will be like for all of us during this coming uh, Christmas Advent and Christmas season. Before we begin our worship service, I want to let you know about two deaths that have happened in the church family since we last worshiped last uh, Sunday. Bill Leppert died on Thanksgiving Day, and many of you will know the Leppert family and will know uh, that Carol Leppert has done such an, an amazing job, an incredible job caring for Bill for several years as his health declined, and uh, he died very peacefully on Thanksgiving, and we know that there will be a service, and please be on the lookout for the timing of that service, probably not until January, we think, but, but be on the lookout for that service for Bill Leppert. And then on the day after Thanksgiving, Tommy Faye Kaufman died. And she also has been struggling uh, with her health for the last several years. And we want to lift up 
Christy and lift up Robin, her two children. Um, her husband, Robin, died uh, a few years ago, so we've been thinking about and praying for Tommy Faye, and we want to pray for her family now, and as we get more information about a service that will be uh, scheduled in the next week or two, we'll certainly get that out to the whole church family. So prayers for the Leopards and prayers for the Kaufman family. Those are all of our announcements, and now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we light the candle of hope. God's people waited in hope for a Messiah, and during Advent, we live in hopeful anticipation of God's presence in our lives. Advent literally means coming, and we wait for the coming of Christ into the world to renew and restore us. God has promised to give us new life through Jesus Christ, and through Christ, God will also renew the world. From the prophet Isaiah, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let us pray. Dear God, As we begin this season of Advent, we pray for you to come into our lives again. We pray for the presence of Christ to strengthen the weary and give hope to the hurting. As we prepare our own lives to see the glory of Christ revealed, we pray for your healing touch on our souls. You are the light of the world, and we pray for your love to reach out to the world to us and then through us and to all who need you. In the name of the coming Christ we pray, amen. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. We gather to worship as we anticipate the coming of our Savior, Please stand and join me in our call to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before our God with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving 
in his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. God offers freedom from sin and everlasting life. Let us confess our sin together as we pray for forgiveness. Let us pray. Holy God, on this first Sunday of Advent, have mercy on us. We often sin because we are impatient and have little self-control. In our haste, we often waste your most important gifts relationships, truth, resources, and love. We waste opportunities to share the gospel of your grace, and we waste precious time on trivial pursuits. Please forgive our intemperate, sinful ways, and have mercy on us as we wait for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God shows us mercy through Christ. We are justified and renewed through grace. 
and I declare to you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward for the baptism, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. It is such a joy for us this morning that we can celebrate the sacrament of baptism, and we do so this morning for Catherine Louise Corsi, who is the daughter of Emily and Chad Corsi and the younger sister of Thomas and Sam Corsi. We're grateful for this gift of God to their family, and we're grateful for this occasion where we can mark her inclusion into the family of faith and into the covenant of God's grace. Thank you to Jacob Shepman for being uh, our uh, child vow leader this morning, and we also welcome our elder Alan Callicott to take part in this ceremony. It's always a joy. It's always a joy to welcome another family member into the family and into the covenant of grace. This morning we represent not just Germantown Presbyterian Church, but we represent the body of Christ, the whole Christian church, as we take part in this sacrament and claim Kate as a member of the covenant of grace. The word sacrament, when you hear it, it has the word sacred in it. We know that something very sacred and holy is going on in this moment. God sets aside this water for a special purpose. In the sacrament of baptism, God will use this earthly, uh, this earthly water, this earthly element, to accomplish something that has heavenly and eternal significance. In the church, we always define a sacrament as an outward visible sign of an inward, invisible grace of God at work. The water of baptism symbolizes our washing. 
It symbolizes our cleansing from sin by Christ's sacrifice, by Christ's blood shed on the cross. Through Christ, God forgives our sin and claims us as his own. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River to symbolize his solidarity with all human beings. And he came to live our life and to free us from the power of sin. And so baptism is always the beginning of a journey by which we grow closer and closer to Christ every day. In the church, we speak of God's promises to us in the terms of a covenant. God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ to be our loving and faithful God throughout our lives. This is the covenant of grace through which God forgives us of our sins and grants us eternal life. We gratefully respond to God's covenant of grace by living for God through faith in Jesus Christ. Believing in God's promises and obeying the word of our Lord, we baptize those whom God has included in the covenant of grace and mercy. By water and by the Holy Spirit, this child, Catherine Louise Corsi, will be joined to the body of Christ and the family of God. We will all make promises on her behalf, and God is counting on us to keep our promises so that she will grow in faith and will love Christ in her life. Thank you. To Emily and Chad, I have these two questions to ask you as you reaffirm your own faith and make your promises to Kate. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging God the Father as your maker and creator, God the Son as your Savior and Lord? and God the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide, do you? And do you promise by God's grace and help to provide a Christian home for Kate and by your example to raise her in the faith of the gospel and in the fellowship of the Christian church, do you? We don't have as many children up front this morning as we might, but we still want to ask this vow because we do have a few who are here, including her own siblings, and so Jacob We'll ask this vow now for the children of the church. The children of youth, youth of the church will be Kate's Christian friends as she grows and matures with us. Together we will live as followers of Christ, and we will make promises to Kate as, she, as a growing disciple. Do we, the children and youth of the church, promise to love Kate as a Christian, to walk with her on the path of faith, to share our time and fellowship with her, to read the Bible with her, to talk about God with her? and to be her friend in Jesus Christ. If the children and youth of the church are willing to make this promise to Kate, will they please raise their hand? On behalf of the session, I ask the congregation to reaffirm its pledge to love, support, and teach to all in the church, and in particular, Kate, in the ways of Jesus Christ. Do you, as a congregation of God's people, promise to play your part in the Christian support of Kate by providing instruction in the gospel of God's love, the example of Christian character, and the strong support of the family of God in fellowship, prayer, and service? If you so promise, will you please stand? Let us pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, O God, bless the faith of this family and this church family. Set aside this water from its common use, and may it be now part of something sacred that you are doing in Kate's life as you seal her with your love now 
and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Catherine Louise, you are a child of the covenant of grace, and so I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. You are witnesses that Kate Corsi has been received into the family and household of God through baptism. She now shares with us in the priesthood of Christ. I call on you, the GPC congregation, to pray for Kate and her family and to care for her so that she may grow in Christian faith and life and continue in Christ's service all her days. Let us pray. Lord God, as we celebrate your grace at work in Kate's life, we lift her up to you, praying for her well-being, O God, not only for today, but for all of her years to come. We pray for your wisdom to guide her as she grows and matures. Guard her in all dangers and temptations. Lord, shepherd her through the trials of life. Magnify her joy and good times. May she come to know that her whole life exists under your loving eye. We also lift up Emily and Chad as parents to you. We pray for them. We pray that you would bless them in this role that you have given them. Give them wisdom and understanding. Give them patience and grace. Lord, as they raise Kate as well as Sam and Thomas, Lord, may they raise them to be your followers. Bless them and bless our congregation as we keep the vows that we have made to you on behalf of Kate. Keep us all in your care and in your grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. And we do have a gift to give to Kate. We have a baptismal certificate that we will give you, Kate, so that you can grow up knowing about your baptism and when it took place and that you can remember it. And we have a children's Bible that we will give you. And our prayer, of course, is that she will grow up knowing and loving the God behind the Bible. And before she even knows how to read, she will know these stories because you all have shared them with her. And uh, it's certainly a delight for our congregation to welcome her uh, into the covenant of grace on behalf of God. Please remain seated now as we sing our blessing for Kate.
Please bow, bow your heads as we pray together. Dear God, thank you for speaking to us through your holy word. Please open our hearts for your message to us today. Increase our faith as we listen to your voice. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson today comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Thank you, Jacob. You'll see in your worship bulletin that Jacob is our uh, fifth grade worship leader today. We have fourth graders and fifth graders once a month help us and guide us. Um, and that's part of, part of what you just saw happen a few minutes ago as we talk about the importance of, of everybody in the church and children and raising them in the faith and, and having them take on leadership roles in worship for all of us because we're always blessed by the children and the growing youth of the church. Our New Testament lesson comes to us from 1 Thessalonians 3. Hear these words written by Paul, 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 9 through 13. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts and holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. When was the last time you went to a big family reunion? Probably at least two years ago, I imagine, before the recent unpleasantness when we were discouraged from large gatherings. When I was in high school, I can remember the first big family reunion that I attended for my mother's mother's side of the family. They were all from Centerville, Mississippi, which is a tiny little town way down south in the part of Mississippi. Really, it's northern Louisiana. But the reunion was in Alabama, and we rented out this camp. It's like Pinecrest. We rented out this whole camp for this large family reunion for everybody to get together, and it was this wonderful event. And I remember two things specifically from that reunion 35 years ago. One is that when you go to a family reunion, sometimes you meet people for the first time. You do. If it's part of a big extended cousin network. People are actually part of the same family, but people are spread out, and children are growing up, and they're new people who are grafted into the family. You meet new people who are now part of the same old family. The other thing I learned, of course, and you know this, that is at family reunions, there is so much storytelling, and the memories are as thick as molasses. I mean, the memories are just in the air 
that you breathe. And you listen to the older people tell stories about the older people from their childhood and youth so that you can learn names like Two Mama and Mama Cake and Uncle Red Redhead. And there are names like that in your family, I'm quite sure. All these stories have to be sort of told and retold for every successive generation. My first introduction to Susan's extended family came at a family reunion right before we got engaged. It was actually about a month before we got engaged, and so we were pretty serious, and everybody knew that, but we weren't engaged yet, so I wasn't officially part of the family yet. So I was invited to part of the family reunion, but not the whole thing. I mean, no kidding, I was invited to the big last sort of Saturday night gathering, but not much else before that. And at that picture, here's what I remember, at the picture, the Saturday night, the big picture, when you take a picture of everybody who's come there, I was asked to stand on the far edge of the picture just in case I needed to be airbrushed out if things didn't work out. I think I'm still in that picture, I think. I remember meeting all of those people. You get blitzed with a million names that you can't remember. And the interesting thing for me now is that that same wing of the family gets together on Thanksgiving Day for a meal, a great meal. And now 26 or 7 years later from first meeting all of them, I think I have most of their names learned, but I still need some prodding every now and then. And so we did it again last Thursday, just a few days ago for Thanksgiving, Um, this time only about 45 and not the usual 60 to 65 for Thanksgiving Day lunch. And it's sort of become a tradition. It used to be only the, the youngest generation, but in the last few years with, of course, last year when we didn't meet, that everybody stands up and gives about a 30 second synopsis of what they've been up to and what they're doing what grade they're in or their accomplishments, um, things that they're proud of. And then, of course, with all the joy, there are also, as with any family, there are new sadnesses, deaths to absorb, some illnesses that have come along, and they're all part of the mix of that great family reunion. What I realized this year, just the other day, what was so special was that it had been two years since we had gathered together for that meal. Didn't do it. Last year, of course, because of the recent unpleasantness. And I've learned that I'm a latecomer to this group, only about 25 years, sort of engrafted on. But I've grown to care so much about the lives of the people who have come to know me and this larger family that you're part of. And when you're forced to take a year off, you sort of realize after that 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 absence does make the heart grow fonder. It takes something like COVID and missing a year for us to realize how special all those gatherings are. Absence does make the heart grow fonder. That absence making the heart grow fonder sentiment is is knee deep. It is right here. This passage is immersed in this sentiment that Paul writes. Paul yearns for a joyful reunion. He wants to go back to Thessalonica. This is such a great letter. You should read this letter this afternoon. It's not long, just about five chapters. Read this letter. Paul visited Thessalonica, this city in Macedonia, uh, and we think in about the year 51 AD, which is on his second missionary journey through that part of, of, of Turkey and then over into what we think of now as Europe. 
As soon as Paul got to Thessalonica, there is this immediate bond between Paul and those who converted to Christianity. Those first Christians in that city, in that new fledgling church, there is this incredible bond between them. Most New Testament scholars believe that this is the oldest New Testament document that we have. It is the first of all of Paul's letters that we know of. The Gospels were written about 10 to 20 years after this, but this is the oldest New Testament document. And in it, when you read it, you will see that Paul uses the most incredible touching language. He uses familial language throughout this letter. He uses, for example, the word adelphoi, which means brothers and sisters. He uses it 14 times in 1 Thess- Thessalonians, and he doesn't use it sometimes nearly as much in some of his even longer letters. In chapter 2 of this letter, he, talks in, he uses some motherly and fatherly imagery to talk about his relationship with the church that he founded there. All of these family members are seen here in 1 Thessalonians. All of these family metaphors, all of this language by which he describes his brothers and sisters and his closeness to them, and especially his heartfelt desire to see them again face to face, to see them once again in the flesh, face to face. It's really important because in so many of Paul's letters, he's got some kind of problem to fix. In all the other letters, sin has come into some church and the church is infected by that sin and Paul is writing to try to fix that problem and and just deal with that problem but not here in first Thessalonians there's not a sin problem there's kind of a grief problem that they just miss seeing each other so much and and Paul is dealing with this they are grieving there in Thessalonica because their loved ones are dying And what they expected to happen hasn't happened yet. You see, when Paul went there, he was teaching about the the basics of the Christian faith and who Christ was. And it's a bedrock belief of Paul's, and he teaches this in all of his churches. It is a bedrock belief that Christ would be coming back soon. Soon and very soon, they were going to see their king. That Christ would return and, and finally bring in God's great kingdom of peace. That Christ would fulfill this this promise of Scripture that that God would wipe away every tear from all faces and God's kingdom of peace and love and joy would finally, finally be established and the transformation of creation and the renewal of all people would happen. So they are grieving. They are grieving and Paul wants to go back and to see them face to face. I mean, listen again to these words that he writes. He says this, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before God because of you? Night and day, which means all the time. Every day, we pray that we might see you face to face. May God our Father Himself, may our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way. May He clear the path that we might come back to you. It's very emotional language. Paul is writing to them to reassure them of God's love, even in the midst of their grief that God will keep His promises, that Christ will come back. But until then, they do not grieve as those who have no hope, but they continue on and forward in faith. So 
here's what's so fascinating here about this desire for a face-to-face reunion, to see those people after this absence as their hearts are growing fonder. Being reunited with beloved Christians and brothers, Christian brothers and sisters, being reunited with them is preparation for, and it's a foretaste of our being reunited with Christ, with our being finally united one day with Jesus. Paul talks about this desire for a reunion. He says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. It's a fascinating word, abound. We don't use that word much anymore, but he talks about abounding love. He has this expectation that their love for one another will increase as they continue living their Christian lives. As they continue in faith, as they continue to worship, as they continue to to study together, as they continue to pray together, their love will increase and it will abound. Abounding means overflowing. It means abundant love. It's the kind of love that makes you want to jump up out of your pew when you see somebody for the first time in months or maybe years. Somebody who used to sit next to you and, and, they, and they come back and they've been gone for some time and you just, you just jump up and you embrace them and you shake their hand, you give them a hug, you leap up to greet them joyfully because you have missed them. You've missed them. You see examples of abounding love everywhere. Abounding love is behind every one of those home from the military service videos that populate the internet at this time of year. You know what I'm talking about. There's a mom or a dad, a son or a daughter who's been overseas for some time, even more than a year, and you see them sneaking up behind their son or their daughter or their children, and they're in their fatigues, and they tap that child or that parent on the shoulder, and they turn around and they just embrace each other because they're seeing each other for the first time after so many months apart. They burst out smiling and crying and showing abundant love. And I see dozens of those every year, and they get me every time. Because you know what abundant love is like when absence makes the heart grow fonder. Do you know where else I've seen such abundant love? I've seen it from my own bird's eye view of this congregation. I've seen such amazing abundant love happen right here in this sanctuary as people come back for the first time. Every Sunday, I mean really every Sunday since we started our program year in August, somebody has come back from an absence, usually COVID-induced absence for the first time, and they walk through these doors and you just see the smile on their face and the smile on other people's faces as they, they shake hands and they hug and they embrace. It has been so long and you can just see the joy on their face as they come back home as they come back into their church home. You can see the joy and the abundant love on their faces and on the faces of their brothers and their sisters as they greet one another. There is such abounding love around us every week. And again, here's Paul's way of seeing this. This is Paul's way of anticipating this great theme of Advent, of Christ's return. By Paul's way of thinking... Seeing your brothers and your sisters in Christ and being reunited with them after an extended absence, that is the closest thing that we will experience in this life. That's the closest thing that we will experience 
this side of eternity compared with one day what it will be like to see Jesus face to face. Seeing our Christian brothers and sisters face to face is is a foretaste of what it will be like one day when we are united with Jesus face to face. And this is the meaning of Advent. There is always, of course, this looking past side of Advent that we focus on and we remember the words of the prophet. We think about those Old Testament figures who longed for a Messiah and their years and years and centuries of of longing for a Messiah to come, and we reenact that story. We tell the stories of our family of faith. We tell the stories about the shepherds and the angels and about Mary and Joseph and Anna and Simeon and all those who yearned for a Messiah. So we do look toward the past and tell the story, toward stories of Jesus' first advent and of His first coming. We celebrate that during Advent and Christmas. But there is another theme of Advent each year. And it is this future-looking theme, this future-oriented theme to Advent that we sometimes lose sight of. But it is our earnest hope in the return of Christ. Our earnest hope for God to fulfill that promise that that Jesus started with His ministry, that's promised by which He will come back and God's peaceful kingdom will be established and God will wipe every tear away from all eyes and God will establish the kingdom once and for all. This is another major theme of Advent, this future-looking hope that we all have for Christ's return. And the best thing that we can do to get ready for it, the best, I mean the very best thing that we can do to get ready for it, is to come back home. And I mean our church home. To come back into this congregation, to be physically present with each other and to celebrate and anticipate the future coming of Christ. To have a reunion with those that we used to have communion with and those that we are united to as our brothers and sisters in faith. The best thing that we can do to anticipate the return of Christ is to be reunited with each other, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I see this playing out in two ways. Two ways I'll close with by saying these. One way is this. There are some really great new people who have been grafted onto our family of faith that they've joined our church either right before COVID or during COVID that we need to get to know. There's, I see several of them here this morning. Great new members of our church that we just haven't been able to do all the things and have the same meetings and greetings and, and classes and times where we would share welcome them into the family of faith. It's hard to join a church during limited seating and distancing and all of those things. They've been grafted into this family and we need to get to know them and maybe they're sitting around you in your pew. It just occurred to me also earlier, four new people among us are staff members, four new staff members and so many people just have not had a chance to get to know yet. And so as we move into Advent and toward Christmas, this is the perfect time for you to renew or get to know those around you in the pew that maybe you've sat with before but maybe haven't seen in a long time and you can't remember their name, but don't worry, they can't remember yours either. So maybe you wear a name tag or maybe you just reintroduce yourself to them with a handshake. Pray for, get to know all these people around you. Meet and re-meet and get to know especially the newcomers among us. The other thing about this Advent uh, and this Christmas season and this family of faith is this, and it's a little more 
difficult and maybe even a little more awkward. But there's a whole segment of our church family, a whole group. I can put a percentage on it if you want me to. There's a whole segment of our church family who hasn't come back yet. I'm not talking about those who haven't come back because of health reasons or COVID reasons or anything related to that. I'm talking about the whole group of people who are trying to decide right now if they are coming back or not. Maybe they're here right now for the first time. Maybe they're watching us online. Most likely, neither of those is actually true. I'll say this. I really believe this, that if they don't come back during this Advent or Christmas season, then they're probably not coming back. Because it's been long enough, and I've heard enough people say three or four times in the last couple of weeks, people have said, now I've been gone so long, I'm just a little embarrassed to come back. I'm just embarrassed. We've been gone so long, we maybe could have come back last spring, but there was limited seating. We might have come back last fall, but the Delta variant, we've watched online a couple of times, we've traveled some, we've had conflicts. Now it just feels awkward to come back. And there's a whole group in our church that's trying to to decide right now. And here is your role. Here's my role. Here's all of our roles is to help them overcome that awkwardness. It is on you and me. And I honestly say they sort of expect me to do it. So it's really on you to call those people that you used to, to sit near or to go to Sunday school with, to call them and say, I have missed you. And you can come back home again. Come home for Advent and Christmas. Come back and and see the people that that you raised your children with and that you've gotten to know, that that you do feel such joy when you see them. Start over. Get a fresh start. Come back home because we love you and we miss you. I was thinking about this earlier. What's the worst thing that could happen if you make that phone call? The worst thing that could happen is they say, we actually go to the 8.30 service, and we've been watching every week online, and we just haven't seen you, so we're here. Don't worry about it. What's the best thing that could happen out of that phone call? Is that you awaken a spirit in them, and you help them understand how much they matter to you and to our church family, and they say, you're right, now is the time. Let's come back during Advent or Christmas. Let's come back, and let's be part of a great family of faith and a church home for all of us, and you help pull them back into the fold. Will you do that? Will you make that call to someone you haven't seen that you used to see a lot and and, and make that call and help them come? And, And just to do this, paraphrase Paul's verses here, paraphrase them to suit our own church family right here in this moment and say, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we might see them face to face. May the Lord make all of us increase and abound in love for one another so that we all might be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus and all the saints. This Advent and this Christmas season, come home. Amen. There's this great line from the book of Psalms. And it says, how good it is when family dwells together in the Lord. It just feels right. It feels good. And that's what we've experienced this morning. 
So I invite you to stand together in faith as we join and affirm what we believe by reciting a portion of a declaration of faith. We affirm that Jesus was born of woman, as is every child, yet born of God's power, as is no other child. In the person and work of Jesus, God himself and a human life are united but not confused, distinguished but not separated. The coming of Jesus was itself the coming of God's promised rule. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, he brings about the relationship between God and humanity that God always intended. Amen. You may be seated. been blessed this morning to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. We have stood together and affirmed our faith, and now we are blessed once again to come before God and to offer prayers to Almighty God for one another, for our families, and for the world. And so as we come before God in prayer, I will leave a space of silence so that you can name out loud, using first names, those that are near and dear to you. And I will invite you to respond as we pray. When I say, Lord, in your mercy, you are invited to respond, hear our prayers. And now let us turn our hearts and our minds to Almighty God. Holy God, to whom we brought our thanksgiving this week, for the shelter of home, the nourishment of food, the fellowship of family and friends, and for our faith and love to share with others, we humbly ask that you hear us now as we gather in the needs of others and offer them to you. We pray for your creation, which you've created and then charged and enabled us to protect and tenderly care for each day, just as you protect and care for you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the people of the wide world, each one made in your holy image. We pray for leaders of nations and states, of communities and businesses and churches and schools and families. May each one seek and discern your wise counsel before each word is spoken and each action is taken, so that all who count on us for leadership may know that we are led by you, Almighty God, with peace and justice and compassion and kindness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray for your church called into being by you. As we enter into the season of Advent, we look to your coming to make all things right in a world where too often things are so wrong. We pray that we might be the very ones to welcome the stranger in, to care for the least in our midst, to truly be your hands, your feet, and your voice, and your presence right here and far beyond these walls. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that your presence of comfort and advocacy be with those in need today. Those who need safe shelter, a warm meal and a cool cup of water before night falls. Those who need healing from physical, mental, and emotional illnesses. Those who long to no longer feel lonely, lost, or afraid. Bless each one, we pray, with your enveloping love and comfort. And holy God, in our own families, in our own friendship circles, we lift up to you now those that are near and dear to us. So many names have been lifted before you, Almighty God, and so many more remain in our hearts, but we know that each one is known to you. And so we ask your blessings upon each one and that they might be blessed with all that they need for this day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Trinity, you've gathered us together. We have been blessed to hear your word read and proclaimed. We have affirmed our faith together, and now we have prayed together. We are once again ready for work and ministry, for compassion and justice-seeking. We are ready to be strong, to have courage, and to rejoice in the Lord in all that we say and do. And we ask, Almighty God, that you would hear our prayer now as we unite all of our voices into one voice and pray the very prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we know that all that we have and all that we are are gifts to us from Almighty God. So let us now, with great joy and generosity, give back to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
God, we do praise you. We praise you and we thank you this day that we have been able to celebrate with loved ones. And we've been able to be reunited in this place at this time by you. Gathered together in your love and your presence and to be fed and nourished and sent out. So we give to you these tithes and offerings and ask that you would bless and magnify them for your glory. Let them touch someone's life and be a part of the transforming work that you're doing in our community and empower us to go and be a part of the same. We offer to you all of these tithes and offerings. In your name we pray. Amen.
Dear friends, love is on the way. As you go out into this world, go out with love on your lips and love in your hearts. Go out to love and serve the Lord and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. As you go, may the grace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. Thank you.